0: Friday Lunchtime Lectures at the Open Data Institute. Hello there, uh, my name is Patrick Puzzi or uh, Patrick Riot on Twitter, do feel free to follow me. Uh, that's because I used to work for a little arts uh, website listing company called Rum Riot, not because I'm some sort of crazy anarchist with too many flat screens in my flat. Um, okay, what is this talk going to be about? Well, it's mainly going to be about uh, my kind of crazy take on data um, and technology as a whole. Uh, many years ago, uh, I had, when I was doing a masters in journalism, uh, a teacher, a Dutch philosophy tutor, uh, who was called Joost van Leeuwen. I'm not making that up. He was the most wonderfully Dutch man. He was sort of like crashing into the left and going, Your master Nietzsche in a more Dutch accent. Um, and he was brought up an atheist, okay? Uh, but he, it turned out, we used to have quite long talks about things, uh, he converted to Catholicism. And I think he did this in a very knowing way. He needed something to believe in, essentially, even though intellectually he knew it was, you know, full of more holes than your average sim. Um I think in a weird way, data has become, and tech has become this for me. It's the thing that tickles my gold spot, even though I am uh, technically, I think, what Richard Dawkins would call a hard agnostic. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever read that weird taxonomy that he gives in um, the god delusion and things like soft atheists, and hard agnostics. I don't know, it sounds a bit like the cocktails name, or a very niche website. Anyway, getting on this. These ideas that I've put in through here, they're not intellectually watched. I, I challenge you to tell me what it is on Earth. Um, it's more of an idea just to uh, look at data or something in a new light in a way that I think it's sort of quasi-magical, quasi-religious. Um, let's start at the beginning. Uh, why not have a really geeky uh, picture of the Lord of the Rings dreaming? Now, inside it, what do we have? Anyone? Anyone? Come on. We're in a technological institute. You guys watch this every day. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone? It's what is that? It's what does it saying? In the ring. What, what is it? You don't have to tell me what it says. None of you geeky enough to speak Elvish or whatever the hell this is. What is this? It's a ring. It's a ring. It's a ring. It's a what one one what's ring. going on the ring? The nine kings or like that. Okay. Again, <laughs> love the sort of deep knowledge. Yeah. But just what is it? What technique? What is this stuff? It's writing. It's writing. writing. Okay. Um, when you study. I did an ago. I did a piece on magic. And there's a real history of simply words being considered magic. If you consider what a spell is, um, spells are words. Words that work, okay? So, uh, if you think about it, I think there's a real correlation uh, between what code is and writing. Um, Code is a form of writing that works. It physically works. It makes something happen, which I think is not that dissimilar, really. Uh, to imagine in many ways um, this is interesting uh, there's a journalist called Bill Thompson he's probably given a talk here or something. Yes. Um, he wrote an article I believe I just heard him do a talk and he mentioned it once that the, the r- truly important form of writing uh, in the 20th century I think it updated to the 21st was not modernist novels it was not used was actually code uh, because it contained what some people might call something slightly divine. It contained, in the sense, life. Again, yeah, we'll see. So I'm going to quote Kevin Slavin. Have anyone seen the TED talk from Kevin Slavin when he describes algorithms? So we have code, works, it makes things appear, happen, you know, quite a long way from life. But if you scale that up towards what we have today, incredibly sophisticated algorithms. They appear to be living, and he used that word. He described algorithms as the living mass that help computers make decisions. Okay, So they may not actually be alive, although, again, I challenge you to give me the definition of life as an auto-type. Um, but they seem to me to mimic another form of life. Anyone know what this is? And it's not a marital aid. Right, there yeah. Oh, very close, yeah, mm-hmm. sort of. It is a really huge laser sculpted glass sculpture of a virus that some crazy dude did. I just thought it was cool. It wasn't really uh, that relevant to this. For me, algorithms, they kind of mimic uh, how viruses are. These are these kind of dead strings of code, which still have an effect, quite a negative one in this case. I think there's an interesting correlation there between, ultimately, life and code. if you scale this right up, and you're good to getting into the realms of conscious AI, which doesn't exist. might not ever exist. Um, this is a picture of a Japanese robot. I found it was the most tasteful one. <laughs> there were some really quite scary ones. Everyone um, that I googled was like some dude licking a robot. I was just like, whoa, strange. <laughs> so that's what we want to do. That is life meeting new life. <laughs> People talk about this stuff. You know? Is it a new form of Consciousness? I don't know. But, possibly. And that's the same time. Um, if you really want to scale up the possibilities of code and algorithms and AI, uh, in a scary way, I recommend reading a piece by a guy called Ross Anderson, uh, with an E on O, uh, that appeared in a magazine I used to work for called Eon Magazine. Yeah, um, and there he talks to Nick Bostrom, who's the guy at the Future Humanities Institute, a really interesting guy. And he talks about these incredibly powerful super-intelligences created from code, essentially. Um, and they're very doomy. I think they're an interesting thing. But he makes some incredibly interesting observations. Like, we may have to immerse these super-intelligences within what they experience as essentially a cosmic box that keeps them in one place. So they're so powerful, they may start making their own decisions. And you need to trick them into... <coughs> not realizing that they're in our universe, they need to think they're in another one. Which I think is quite strange. Cosmic, Um and what I really thought from this, and maybe this is like the sort of intellectual part of there is as well this talk, if you look at what we're doing ultimately in code and data, I think in a weird way, and here's the fancy phrase, that we're kind of a reverse engineering God. Now <laughs> let's start with the, the big ones first. Um what do I mean by that? I'm not saying that we are creating a divine entity. No. I am an empiricist. Um, Although, like a a lot of Westerners, I think I do have a soft belly, underbelly of mysticism. Um, I think what we're doing with tech is we're not just creating pieces of magic. We're actually trying to create, reverse engineer what we've looked for in God's those are things like omniscience, um, a guiding intelligence, a mind beyond. These are comforting notions on one level, we'll get to the negative level uh, later. Um, and I think we're really getting to a point where this kind of stuff is actually starting to happen. It's not obvious, it's just a new way of thinking about it. I think we're kind of there. Right, anyone? Anyone know what this is? Anyone? 3D printing. Yeah, that's something in ah yes, it does look quite anatomical, it's quite sort of like a cochlea, but it's not. Any more guesses. How about these mm-hmm. lovely things, looking more kind of like, fucked up, pop-downs, oh I swore sorry. Like that. Anyone? Okay, well, these are so-called digital souls, I kid you not, I think they were made by some artists who I think were German, and they used um, a weird kind of sort of data-gathering algo. But uh, well they studied a person's I don't know, couple of months um, progress and use of Amazon, GMAPs, Twitter, I think something else. And they decided that what was being created here, and they used an that then printed it out as a sort of 3D thing, was someone's kind of digital gestalt. Which is the word that means essence. Okay? And it's you know, a word often using sort of sculpture. So what these really are? These are individuals. These are people. Okay. And the artist wanted to make it into something that was more perhaps, mystical and interesting. And they created these little strange sculptures, these distals, which is in a sense digital souls. I thought that was really interesting, and I believe it influenced this work, another piece of digital art uh, by some guys I know called James Alabama and Keith Matsuda. And I thought this was pretty interesting. What you had here. It's very simple, it's four connects that made a cube of space, and you would walk through this cube of space, like a lot of digital uh, artwork, and what it would do is it was map data about you onto your physical being. Okay? Uh, so you walk through and of have your data attached. And they'd cut out data from um, dating websites, because uh, they didn't reach the full functionality. I think what they really wanted to do was to have um, a camera with facial recognition technology and it would recognise you and it would start Googling you and it would bring up your own data about your life. Okay? And you would walk through and it would map to your body. These are obviously animated skeletons, but you would be your actual body. And what it was trying to do is kind of show you your sort of digital doppelganger behind the meniscus of the screen. The kind of everyone's familiar with the lost wax technique, creating sculpture that kind of thing. It up. It's quite interesting. This is your digital soul trap behind the screen, which I thought was quite interesting. You tell a lot about me Um Moving on slightly, who are these crazy traps? No. no. Um, who was bad at maths? Everyone in this room was bad at maths? Anyone? I was sucked at maths. Anyway, I I sure Yes, here we go. These are the Pythagorean. Okay, um, who I believe, going okay, on the lyre, have just discovered that when you play musical notes, there are regular intervals. Okay, And they thought that what this denoted was a sense of order in the universe, that there was a code behind it. Okay, so I'm scaling this up from the individuals, and like, you can uh, have the individuals' gestalts and souls. Many, many, many years ago, the Pythagoreans discovered that Music was regular, it was mathematical. Now, actually, given a couple thousand years, as you go up the scale music, it gets lots sort of funkier and less purely mathematical. Uh, but they thought that this showed that there was perhaps a soul behind the universe and it was mathematical written in code. Just as a kind of diversion from that, um, sticking with the Greeks. Is anyone familiar with Platonic forms? Yeah? Okay, so Plato. Huh? The, the, the ideal nature of thing. Yeah. So Plato had uh, some very interesting ideas that were quite strange, really. I think that's almost becoming more and more true. That every object had a sort of cosmic form. Okay? That it wasn't real, it wasn't manifest, it wasn't physical. Um, but because it was mathematically pure, it was somehow more real. It was somehow the perfect version. I suppose there was a platonic chair somewhere. The ideal chair. Everything was like such into there. Um, just kind of strikes me of things that uh, with 3D digital scanning, we're now sucking everything in. Physical objects are but gaining a digital form inside the thing- uh, thingiverse is true. the greatest example of that. It strikes me that we're creating our own sort of atomic forms in that digital sense. Anyway, moving on. So, if we have individual digital souls, which creates German artists and uh, people like James Alabama and Kate MacSunday can show to us, maybe, if you start slamming these things together, you start creating something that's collective. Interesting. Um, and I think probably the most famous example of what you might call a global digital soul or mind, normally you get that word, mind, um, would be Kevin Kelly's word technium. Is everyone familiar with this? Okay, all right, so, um, it's quite interesting. Basically, just as the Earth is covered with animals and plants and an ecology, a system, an actual system, that informs uh, itself, and has feedback, and trims itself, or expands itself, as possible, Technology, Kevin Kelly postulates, uh, is doing the same thing. It's covering the earth. So, if the environment has something called biomass, and that's the layers of systems of biology, plant life, ecology, rainforest, oceans, then technology has something similar. Most obviously expressed in servers and the web, connectivity, a system. And he calls it the technium all technology combining to make sense. Anyone heard of this? Well, I heard of the Technium. Okay, well, pretty interesting. Interestingly, when you Google Technium, you get a fishing reel. I thought it was interesting. I was like, oh my god, maybe it's like pizza. It's God's fishing reel. I'm not sure. Um, but this is <laughs> more. This is another image you get. It's a more sort of global. You might speculate there is something happening in the world where you have people's individual digital doppelgangers souls colliding to create something that's more global, that has a mind. Um, there's one person, other than me, or well, two people maybe, who are starting to see just as almost a kind of animistic thing. Uh, anyone know who this crazy chap is? No? Um, that is James Lovelock. So, where does it take you? a sort okay. an intellectual stepping stone? Yes! Okay. This is also from the magazine I used to work This is James Lovelock as his theory. Gaia. Right? As a sort of Bayou or whatever the hell it is. Um, now, believe it or not, I'm not the only crazy person that thinks that there's a certainly kind of animistic quality to global digital Animism. Are you all familiar with animism? Term? spirits and objects and stuff? Yeah, like, you get it in a lot of um, paganism, you get it in uh, a lot of early religions around the world. The, the whole earth is inhabited by a soul, every object, every animal, and it all builds up into one larger soul, that's the animistic uh, thing. Um, this man, who I think is called, what is he called? Uh, ooh, Graham Harvey, there we go. Um, I think. He's written some interesting stuff on how if Gaia is a system that has feedback and is biological, um, that technology, especially the internet, obviously the internet, is something that's, in a sense, almost like a digital version of Gaia. Um, Again, I'm really not saying that this is a fact. Of course I'm not. I'm just saying it's an interesting way to think about things. Anyway. This is what's really interesting. There's an interesting aspect to Gaia that has a kind of feedback. Okay? So, if the Earth uh, temperatures are wrong, this is what's so interesting about it, uh, perhaps the algae in the ocean will start generating enough uh, gas uh, that will affect um, climate change. And it's just a feedback system. In digital Gaia, a thing I've created, apart from this one um, you may argue that we're looking at more social systems political systems, and this is the project, I wish I could show you the video, but I bet we don't have time, that, as far as I know, is the most kind of ambitious attempt to harness the world's data for good. Um, It's called Global Pulse, Uh, it's a UN project, and I think they're kind of changing it around, I think it may be moving more towards uh, reactions to disasters and economic crises. But it used to be, I think, more of a thing where they were basing on let's take everybody's data, everybody's data, Um, be it mobile phones data, be it bank data, be it economic data, be it social data. Let's really crash it together. And what you kind of end up with is kind of, if you like, Google Analytics, not for websites, but for societies. Essentially, it's quite an interesting thing. Scale that up, you can have all the societies. At, and it's here and suddenly you've made this kind of everyone's little digital beings visible and see what they're doing now it could be argued that this in itself is a form of feedback it's political and social it Is, in a sense really making the earth into a kind of database are you all with me here? I'm, looking, I'm getting some seriously blank faces mm-hmm. all right, all right. ok, alright and it's like almost. Prism. Prism. <laughs> that's <laughs> it. It's almost as if we're kind of developing a key sort of divine feature, something I think that we've kind of been craving. People our books, our religions. It's a kind of omniscience. Okay? Now we're not yet there yet, but it's clearly in the aim. It's interesting. Um, this is something that's gone under a lot of people's radars. Everyone familiar with Ray Kurzweil? Yeah? Like crazy AI dude. We'll upload our minds in 20 years. You know, I don't care about us, I'll Give me a USB stick. That kind of stuff. Um, he recently, after years being kind of like free, rental he, um, he's gone to work for Google. Okay? So, like, why would you work for Google? Why? We
1: I mean, nice probably
0: all the data. Yes! It's not because they do great lunches. Um, they have all the data. They have all of it. All of it, all of it, all of it. Okay? Um, and he has this specific aim, he's using this word, I want to create a mind. That's a global mind. And what does that mean Well, fights and it makes the Christian notion of God. Hang on. That's very well. Um another angle that this is kind of big data is generating. here are these tricks Actually, it's two tricks, one deed. Yes, I know it's the film everyone references when they do talks about technology. I'm sorry for referencing it again. However, so what did these people do? Um, yeah, they were pre cogs They were the girls in blue. They were like some very out there synchronised swimmers. Um, they were predictive. Okay? And suddenly, you may get a twist. So say a viewing in global pulse is solving a lot of world problems with this sort of hovering omniscience. We're moving into something that's maybe a little bit darker. Uh, this was recently featured on uh, Horizon. It was quite an interesting big data program. Did anyone see it? Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, this is predictive policing. Okay. Um, Predpol. Wow, I mean, it's like someone once said to me that the problem with sci fi is it needs to update its ideas. You know, it really does. It. We've done it. Uh, but it's key, It's again, it's this prophecy, it's prediction. Data, it's mimicking something that we've craved as a society through the divine. And again, bear in mind, I'm saying it mimics something society craved that we traditionally labeled under magic, the divine, etc. That's pretty interesting. Uh, this is a, an example for good. The are familiar with their Bible. Yes, I can see you're all godly people here. Uh, what did Moses do? Uh, I think it was before that I'm not really sure. it was He freed. quite big. Yeah all right. <laughs> <laughs> he freed the slaves. He freed his people. okay. And I thought this was interesting. This is obviously a positive press release to Google, They decided through big data and their knowledge of being huge on this creation that Breakout's while was guiding. Uh, they are the people best placed to free anyone in global trafficking or prevent it. They know what's going on. Okay, so this is the good use of the you know, form of omniscience that's going on. Uh, they've also declared war, I think, on the Mafia recently. And there's that great quote at the beginning of um, uh, Morisov's recent book, which I have issues with. But it's, yeah, if we get this right, we can solve all the world's problems. Okay? That's what Irish Schmidt says. I am kind of, I like solutionism. I'm all for it, uh, but Morozov, not so keen. Anyway, these are big ambitions. Uh, in a way, the thing that really interests me when I was thinking about financial algorithms, um, there are such things I believe as, are sometimes called the correlator, or the master algorithm. Okay? And these are the sort of algorithms that watch over all the little algorithms and make the final decisions. Okay? Now have we got a global uh, omniscience going on on Earth that is a form of database? Does this remind you of anything at all it was in the slide? Okay. Anyone? Yeah. So, so it's it's this weird sort of thing where we're turning our our world into something that produces an awful lot of data, but perhaps no an answer. I'm not sure. This isn't a site, and I think it's finding it interesting. But I think there's an interesting correlation between master algo and what we traditionally might see as divine or public. Um, okay, so taking a twist, I think there are tremendously positive useful uh, for these uh, forms of omniscience in society. just see, perhaps go pulse. It's the most interesting. But we're moving into the slightly dark territory. This is one of the better articles I've ever read about data profiling. Which, in ProPublica which I'm sure we're all familiar with here. Data profiling? Okay, so data profiling... Let's skip forward a little bit. Let's see. Right, so... Any music fans? Any fans of, like, global again? and Anyone? Okay, this is... Yeah, and what is that actual thing? Yeah, it's a prison. Okay, so recently, for... Yeah, way after we decided to do this talk, um, Edward Snowden's revelations of huge global spying machines sucking in all the data of ever, everyone ever. Um is interesting in two ways. First of all, it's named Prism, which is a really sad name because it's uh, Prism is a symbol of the Enlightenment. It's what um, Isaac Newton used to decode light. which is interesting. I'll we'll get back to the light in a minute. Um, it's kind of an interesting figure in my head, because I think Newton is seen as the father of modern science to many people. There's also a famous book about him saying he's called The Last of the Magicians. we the head of deep interest in mysticism and alchemy, that kind of thing. Um, but what it shows is there's a huge process going on where we are essentially using our global missions, our data, to make judgments, essentially, uh, with data profiling. Uh, I had a talk with uh, an interesting guy that writes algos and he's got a couple of names for the new type of uh, algos that can be used to judge people uh, you have he calls Gabriel Algos okay Gabriel Algos, are we familiar with Gabriel? Gabriel's an archangel um, <coughs> he was the defender of earth essentially against hell so he'd stand in front of people and protect them and you might end up with things uh in the wrong position. So perhaps you're wearing Google Glass, uh, you're eating a Mac burger, and yeah, it Googles your burger, then it Googles your DNA results on Ancestry.com, discovers you have a particular predisposition to bowel cancer, and then the Gabriel Argo puts in a little message, perhaps whispers to it, like, Maybe you really should put down that burger. <laughs> okay? Um, and it's functioning as this kind of interventional angel, essentially. I think we might see that kind of thing much more anyway. On the flip side, uh, there are things coming to play called St. Peter's out of things. Okay, so St. Peter, everyone familiar with St. Peter? Okay, Uh, St. Peter, his job, really, was to stand at the gates of heaven and decide whether or not he wanted to let people in. Okay? And it would be a form of judgment on their lives, and would put their lives in, in balance. This is uh, most sort of low-key version of what we might be using data for, these sort of judgment on souls. Um, there was a guy in the States about six months ago who was trying to use his credit card, and he suddenly discovered that um, his credit had been virtually halved, and he couldn't afford to buy whatever the hell he'd he So he did a lot of digging around, he ran up the company, this kind of thing. And what happened, he'd been using his card, in a restaurant that was associated with poor people, essentially. So using some kind of credit algorithm, the bank automatically decided he was unworthy and halved his, rhythm, uh, halved his credit. Um, kind of the moral of the story is, <laughs> if you uh, do eat at those it's cash. But um, <laughs> well, this is something that is increasingly happening in our world. Now that's the sort of low side. This is like, this is the best thing I think I've ever found. Uh, I don't even know if this really exists. I just read about it on James Bible's blog. Um, Anyone anyone guess what this is? i What? Right, I'm going to tell you what the name is. There, that's what that's called. Okay, I'll go back. That is, I presume, I think it's a guy, I'm not sure. Uh, a U.S. Marine uh, who has planted a very, very powerful laser on a target, okay, and drones use this and they're guided uh, sometimes by people, but also sometimes by algorithms uh, towards a target and they obliterate it, okay, um, and they, the Marines have a name for it because it's calling down judgment on something. They call it the Light of God. Okay, you know I mean? so this things is going on, essentially right now. There you go. Potentially we might end up (laughs) with a kind of um, laws that are algorithmically not just carried out, but decided. You have laws that are disembodied, that are functioning in our systems, that are making a judgment and also delivering verdict. They're kind of almost like a living law. I think it's quite strange and interesting. And that reminds me very much of kind of um, old, biblical, Old Testament judgmental God. I think it's quite strange. Now that's on the scariest. It's probably more on the Nando's level at the minute. I wouldn't expect us to get obliterated by drones just because we haven't paid off our credit card yet. It's all possible and interlinking. So perhaps what I'm saying ultimately is this is another form of judgment. This is Mart. One of these people. Everyone heard of these people? The Egyptians? The concept, the goddess and concept of Mart. Alright, so I think we're moving towards a data-centric society to sum which I think potentially is great. I have this weird enthusiasm about it. I'm all for solutionism. I think it's beautiful. Um, and it mirrors, in a sense, this idea that this goddess in principle of mutt was, she was representative in a society of order where everything was functioning well. Uh, society would be fruitful and harvestable and fair. Um, and I think that's what could be brought about. But on the flip side, you have that ugly use of data in the data center of society. And they had a the concept of the, uh, this called feather of truth. Anyone seen this? No. Um, okay. Feather of Truth, uh, she. Mark provided a judgment on people. She had a counterweight post, Feather of Truth. And she would put it on balances and scales, and <coughs> Osiris, the sort of Uber god an Egypt, of death, etc., would weigh people's souls. And I suppose what I'm saying that ultimately we're into this kind of era of crunching souls. Now that's actually a term that's used quite a lot. Everyone's data is crunched for whatever purposes, physical, commercial, etc. I suppose we have to start thinking about that, would be my point of view. Um, Because there are two points of view. Uh, Did anyone read the amazingly acerbic review of The New Digital Age, which is Eric Schmidt's book? Uh, There was a review, I think, in the New York Times by. Assange, and this was kind of the take home phrase. <laughs> okay, this book is a balefully summoned work in which neither author has the language to see the titanic centralizing evil they are creating. Okay, well, that's Julian Assange's uh, take on the potential of Google to be an evil form of things. And quite interestingly, I thought at the beginning of that review, he paints a picture of Eric Schmidt wandering around the uh, the smouldering ruins of Baghdad where he was on some sort of political governmental journey uh, to meet God knows you and he very much painted a picture of Schmidt as kind of this digital devil this uh, presagent of destruction and power coming up from underneath Um, so I suppose what I'm saying is I don't make a decision between these like two times for me digital has become a way that people often express it called magic, technology. They're very positive about it and they're extremely negative about it. But for me, I think what it is, in some ways, is an expression of things we've always craved, which is a collective intelligence, an over-omniscience, a sense of law that, in a sense, can almost come from the sky. I think it's quite dangerous. It can bring order or it can bring blood. So these will be my takes on uh, digital as the divine. If everyone's looking really puzzled, hit me up with questions. <laughs> <Perfect>. <laughs> thank you. Oh, just- You've been listening to a Friday lunchtime lecture brought to you by the Open Data Institute.